Hi, and welcome to the ACO Show. I'm Brian Chagunski, joined as always by my amazing co-host, Dr. Josh Israel. Hey, Josh. Hi, Brian. We are coming to you live today from the Allidade offices where we are recording our first recorded episode of 2023 in person. Josh, how do you feel being back in an office like it's 2019 again? I like being in the office. It is certainly unusual to be talking into the same microphone with somebody and not not be worried about my mortality. <laughs> but we both tested negative today, and I'm glad to be here with you. Yeah, I, th- I think this is pretty safe, pretty pretty low risk podcast recording. Today, we are joined by our CEO and co-founder, Dr. Farzad Mostashari, and Amy Zimmerman, a partner at Wilson, Sonsini, Goodrich, and Rosati, to talk about the idea of a public benefit corporation, why Allidade has decided to become one, what this means for the healthcare industry as a whole, and what the idea of a public benefit corporation actually is and what that means. How do you think the conversation went today? How did it illuminate some things that you were thinking about? It was definitely interesting and informative for me. Ours that announced to the company last week that Allidade was going to be changing our corporate structure to be a public benefits corporation. And my first thought was knowing Farzad as somebody who is very dedicated to doing good in the world, that he was changing Allidate into one giant carbon offset of a company. But it was very interesting to hear him talk about what the real structure is, why this actually could help a company like Allidate succeed, where it's more likely to bring trust with our, our business partners, more likely to get trust with our physicians, give us a longer time horizon towards success, and overall contribute to the success of Allidade financially, which then leads us to become a company that has greater capacity for creating good in the world. Yeah, I think one thing, speaking of time horizons, one thing that I learned is the statute creating public benefit corporations in Delaware passed in 2013, which, as uh, Amy, our guest, told us, was not a couple of years ago. That, that was 10 years ago. Where does time go? I, I think it was really helpful, too, to hear a little bit about how the idea of a public benefit corporation really ties together Aldate's past, our founding and our mission with its future and kind of helping us figure out which path we are going to take in the many years ahead and and what principles will guide us along that path. It was really illuminating for that. Yeah. One of my other questions was, if this is such a good idea, why aren't more companies doing it? So I learned that even though, as you say, Brian, the original law was passed in 2013, it wasn't until 2020 that it became more practical for companies to convert over to this and more and more companies are doing this. And hopefully we are leading the way here towards even more so in the future. Yeah, I like that. One thing we want to say at the outset, Amy Zimmerman is not providing legal advice in this episode. There is no attorney-client relationship with the listener and employees should consult their own counsel for any legal advice. Here we go. We're now joined by Allidade CEO, Dr. Farzad Mostashari, and Amy Zimmerman, a partner in the Delaware office at Wilson, Sosini, Goodrich, and Rosati. We're talking today about public benefit corporations, why Allidade has taken this path, and what other companies are who are looking at this space as well. So first of all, maybe we'll just start off with a very broad question that I'm sure many of our listeners have. Amy, what is a public benefit corporation? Sure. So the public benefit corporation form is a form that you can opt into under Delaware law. And what it means is you incorporate as a public benefit corporation under Delaware law. It's your form of legal organization. As you probably are all aware, most companies, particularly ones that have a good footprint and a good business are formed as Delaware corporations. A public benefit corporation allows you to be a Delaware corporation. You're still a company that issues stock and looks and feels the same way. But the difference with a public benefit corporation is that 
all the decisions that are made for the company by the board and the top officers of the company, you have an eye to three things, stockholder value, the best interests of those affected by your conduct as a corporation, and the specific public benefit purpose that you put in your charter. And so for a public benefit corporation, you're still a stock corporation, but you're always looking at those three things. And that's different from a traditional stock corporation, which is generally in the end focused on stockholder value. So Farzad, what brought this to your attention? What made this an appealing concept to you for Allidade? Well, we have always, literally from day one, said that you know we are motivated by our mission, the triple aim, right? Better health, better care, lower cost. And in everything that we've said, we've always said that we're going to do what's good for patients, good for practices, and good for society. So we have always acted as if we are a public benefit corporation. And the question that came was, twofold. One, can we be assured of that that will continue over the long run? Even maybe one day when the founders aren't here and the, the original investors aren't here. And the other question was, can we give an assurance of that? It's even if we always could continue to act that way, our business relies on the trust the commitment, the alignment with those very stakeholders. And if they don't have a basis to believe that we are going to continue to always act that way, it lessens our ability to actually have a great thriving business. So those are the two the two factors that that motivated us. In terms of how we first came to think about it, nine months ago at a board meeting, one of, oh, I think, is the smartest people in healthcare, Brian Roberts, one of our, our earliest investors, said, asked that question to me. He said, have you considered a public benefit corporation? And I said, I'll, let me get back to you. <laughs> and I spent a bunch of time uh, doing research and thinking about it and talking to, to folks who'd done it. And here we are. Amy, from a practical point of view, what are some things that a public benefit corporation could or could not do that another type of corporation could do? Like, how would this actually play out? Well, I think one practical difference is that whenever the board or the officers are making a significant decision, they have to balance the three sets of interests that we started off talking about, stockholder value, the best interests of those affected by your conduct, and your specified public benefit purpose. And so it's it's a it's a bit of a disciplined baked in requirement that you have to think about those three things. Now, corporations that are formed as traditional corporations without being a PBC might think about those things in a different sort of freewheeling, interwoven way into their decisions here and there. But with a PBC, you have to think about those three things. And so I think, you know, there's a there's a commitment that you're making as a company that in a disciplined way, you'll you'll always think about those three things. And I think that that, that over time, it, it can and will change your decision-making as a board and as a management team. And then the other thing I would mention is that when it comes to really significant events like financing rounds or a sale of the company, don't get me wrong, the business has flexibility. It can make smart decisions. You're not hamstrung by being a PDC. But when you think about those big things, you're thinking about those three purposes as well. So if you sell the company, you engage in a financing round, 
you have to think about those things. You can't just think about your stockholders. That's a fairly significant difference. Amy, how would the Twitter saga have potentially been different if Twitter had elected to convert to a public benefit corporation? Yes. So I will admittedly choose my words a bit carefully because our firm advised on the Twitter matter from beginning to end, and and I was involved in that as well. But now that it's public and it's done and the sale closed, I, I think I can say some things. So yeah, I think it's a really interesting thought experiment, right? If you think about the fact that Twitter was a traditional Delaware stock corporation, it was not a PDC. And so when Elon Musk began taking a large stake, agitating for a board seat, in fairly short order, he started talking about buying the company. Imagine if you had been in the board's shoes and you got that blockbuster offer from Elon Musk. In the board's role, you wouldn't have just thought about stockholder value, right? And that's how that's how traditional Delaware corporations work. When someone's making a bid for the sale of the company, in the end, what you're thinking about is stockholder value and whether you can achieve that price for stockholders. If you continue as a standalone business, can you achieve that value for stockholders? That's what the Twitter board really had to think about. But if Twitter had been a public benefit corporation, imagine, you know, thinking about things like the public good and truth and communications and things like that alongside of stockholder value, it would have had a very interesting, complex decision in front of it. But help me out here. I don't know, Amy, if you want to feel this one or Farzad. The Twitter example is a good one. It's hard to see how the sale of Twitter to Elon Musk was a was a public good. But one of the things that people are saying about PBCs is that in the long term, it's good for the company because it aligns your mission with your values. And if you're a company trying to do good in the world, that's how you were going to be succeeding. But for Twitter, they got a very high sale price by selling to Elon Musk. So the, the shareholders did quite well. So if they had been a PBC, would the employees, would the shareholders have done less well in the end by being a PBC? Well, I think one thing you could think about there, right, is if Twitter had been a public benefit corporation and it got this, as you said, blowout price for stockholders, right? It's $54 a share. And then the tech sector had a downturn on top of it, right? It was a great price. So maybe one possibility if Twitter had been a PBC is it maybe you could have found a way to take that deal because it was a really good deal for stockholders, but maybe it could have had more flexibility to build more protections for employees into its merger agreement. You know, and I want to be careful here, right? I don't want to come off as though I'm criticizing the Twitter board. We're in a counterfactual reality that we're talking about here, right? And I think the Twitter board did its hardest, best with what it had in front of it. So none of this is a criticism, but if, you know, take it away from the Twitter focus, if if you're a PVC and you want to sell the company, you might build in a lot of protections for your employees and your stakeholders and your community. And right now under Delaware law, if you're a stock corporation, that's not your focus when you sell the company. So if you spend your time building protections like that into your deal, someone might wonder what, what the heck you're focusing on. I'll also say... Uh, Jeff Bezos famously says having a long time horizon is a huge competitive advantage for any business over its competitors. And when we're talking about shareholder value in this context of a of a merger acquisition, it it isn't long term. It's very short term. 
and it can be distorting. And so if I'm an employee, for example, with four-year vesting shares who just got hired, the the value of the of the company and the shares in the short term versus the the four year or if I'm an investor and I'm I want to be in for five or 10 years, those time horizons can be different. And this might be the the thing that the board is compelled to do because today there's a 20% premium on the share price, but it's going to lead the company to ruin over the long run. And you can't consider the long run, I think, Amy, correct me if I'm wrong, in a traditional C Corp, you are really forced to become an auctioneer. No, I, I think I think there's a lot of truth to that, right? When when a Delaware corporation's board is sort of going along, on a day-to-day basis, it can figure out, do I do I manage for the long term? Do I manage for the short term? How do I think about stockholder value? But to your point, if a blockbuster bid for the company comes in, it forces the board, I think, into a fork in the road where it has to sit down and say, can can we achieve this value for stockholders? Or do we need to think really seriously hard about this bid because we just we can't achieve it as a standalone business? And I think you're right, Farzad, that if you're a public benefit corporation, you just have a more fluid set of considerations in those types of situations. It's really interesting. I think one of the things that when we talk about public benefit corporations and the way it moves from focusing only on shareholder value to adding in the value to public benefit and to the people it serves broadly. I think there's this mindset of like, oh, you're adding in a lot more stakeholder interests that has to be more limiting on the board. And I think Farzad and Amy, you guys bring up a great point, which is actually the short-termism of focusing on one single metric is actually far more limiting than being able to add in a multiplicity of considerations and to be able to open up more long-term horizon decisions and investments in a way that the current C-Corp is actually, it sounds relatively limiting. I think one of the things that, first of all, I will take my wife's advice and put down Twitter for a moment and trying to pivot a little bit to the healthcare industry specifically, do you see more folks in this industry, more companies in this space considering public benefit corporation or this kind of transition or not? And what are some of the considerations that those companies are are facing? Yeah, yeah, for me, I do see this consideration more and more in the healthcare space. Offhand, I can think of another company I'm working with right now in the healthcare space, thinking about converting a a significant private company. You know, I'm also seeing it in other meaningful sectors that have a real impact on society, whether it's AI or, you know, other spaces. But this this is a fairly active conversation that I'm seeing right now, particularly among our private companies. I think it does make more sense for industries where the mission is so clearly aligned with the trust and with what's making sure that you never compromise what's good for patients and 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 society i think it makes a ton of sense i i, I don't think it makes sense for people to try to use this as a way to greenwash i think it it uh, in a in a way right the board can only make this decision as a C-Corp, if indeed what's good for the shareholders is aligned with what's good for the mission. So I I do expect, Brian, to see additional companies following our lead. You got to remember, it's only since 2020 that Delaware made it really feasible and easier for for this conversion to occur. And so we're, I think, on the very beginning of of this movement, I, I would guess. 
Amy, is it really correct though that most companies only think about next quarter's earnings? You know, if I think about a large you know, you know, transnational oil and gas company or a car company, aren't they thinking long-term? Yeah, I mean, I think it varies from company to company, right? And this this is a point worth pausing on for people who are thinking about companies more generally out in the economy. What are they What are they doing? And I think it's true that companies have what's called the business judgment rule, right? It's the protection of the business judgment rule, where when boards and officers make decisions on a day-to-day basis, they can think about a whole host of things. And they're protected when they do that by the business judgment rule. It's a Delaware concept that just gives boards and officers lots of flexibility. And so this is why, right? Take a company like Target or Starbucks or something, right? I think it's fair to say that we see a lot of reports that they think about the community, they think about employees, they think about employee pay, they do charitable giving. And so you can think beyond the next quarter, you can think beyond stockholder value and earnings as a Delaware corporation or wherever you might be incorporated as a traditional corporation. So to be clear, boards and management have some flexibility. It's just that different companies use that flexibility in different ways, right? When they're traditional stock corporations, some do think in a long-term way. Some think on a very short-term basis. Some answer mostly to the market and stockholders. Of course, what's different about a PDC is you take yourself off of those tracks in a certain respect and you decide to be governed a certain way. And I, I will say, I think the, the, what is it, shareholder primacy, Amy, that concept that the only thing that really a board is of a C-Corp is allowed to think about is shareholder value. I, I I think that that is probably overdone and that for huge parts of our corporate history in America, really before the kind of 70s, that wasn't at all the the concept. And, and companies felt like they had a, an obligation to their communities and to their employees and to their customers. And And I don't know that it's been a good thing, but given that that is where the consensus is now in terms of the interpretation of of the law, I felt like we had to we had to make this change. That makes sense, Amy. Yeah, I, I think you are exactly right. I think that sometimes it does get overblown that Delaware corporations are focused on stockholder primacy. I agree with you, Farzad. That does not have to be the answer. Like I said, Delaware corporations have some flexibility to think about a whole host of things. But I think, you know, what it, what is a little different, right, is that over time, certainly for public companies, there's a fair amount of pressure out in the markets among institutional investors, among stockholder activists, to be stockholder value focused. And we went through a period where there was a lot of focus on short-term stockholder value in terms of share buybacks and things like that. And so I don't know that I think Delaware law is completely the culprit, right? I think there were a lot of market pressures that have made companies more short-term and focused. And like we said, not all companies do that. Some do think for the long term. But I think stockholder primacy in part was really a creature of a lot of these pressures companies were feeling. Yeah, one one kind of way out of this had been, for me, ESG, the designation of companies as being kind of good for the environment, socially good, good governance, which was kind of a way that people like you and me who want to invest our money and want our money to do good can can say, you know what, I want to pick companies that are doing good and doing well. That has come under, 
I think some pressure, although it's still quite active in the investment kind of universe. But one could have, as the C Corp said, well, being seen as ESG is you know, good for my share price. So therefore I'll do things that are good for the environment or social. To me though, it it didn't compel you. And that's what I like about the public benefit corporation is it goes right at the heart of that G in ESG. It goes to the heart of governance. How can you make it so that the governance is compelled to consider these stakeholder interests? Amy and Farzad, I two-part question for you guys, trying to bring this conversation directly to the people who may be facing some decisions or thoughts after this. Amy, I'd love to hear if you're a company, particularly in healthcare, but more broadly, when you're considering this conversion to a public benefit corporation or launching as a public benefit corporation, what are some of the things that you should keep in mind? And Farzad, if you're a primary care practice right now, looking across the landscape, what should the idea of a public benefit corporation have you think about? How should you think about this? So we serve our practices and that has been the trust that the practices place in us is very, very special to us and the long-term commitment that we make to each other. But one of the things that I think, unfortunately, primary care has, has seen a lot and, and they have been seeing a lot of false promises. And there's a lot of, sadly, skepticism and, and cynicism that has been earned. And so when we talk to a practice, I think one of the most powerful things for us has been when, when practices say, yeah, I believe that Allidate acts in my best interest. The most powerful argument we've had is, yeah, because we make money only when you make money. <laughs> we are aligned. Our whole business is predicated on creating an architecture where trust follows naturally from the business model. That's one of the geniuses of our business model is you don't have to believe me. Just imagine if I'm acting rationally, what would I do? Well, I would want to, if I'm telling you to, that this is the, the best thing, it's because if if it's the best thing for me to make more money, it's, it, it's going to automatically make you more money. So that is, I think, a very powerful aspect of our business, but this just provides an additional assurance, I think, to prospective practices that this is uniquely a company whose board in their decision-making has to consider, even in things like you know merger and acquisition or going public or whatever, even in those situations, has to consider what's best for you as well as what's best for the stockholders. I love that point on trust. We had a guest on Dr. Asaf Bitan talking about primary care, and he used a phrase that has stuck with me for a long time, which is that healthcare moves at the speed of trust. And I think this is a way that helps a company move faster and move farther because you're able to have a foundation of trust and these assurances that can hopefully help more people delivering care and the patients they serve and the communities they serve trust us and trust that we are working within their interests. And, and can I just say, people ask, does this affect nonprofit, for-profit status? And one of the things we've seen in healthcare is some of the worst actors in healthcare can be nonprofits. You know, your tax status has absolutely nothing to do with whether you're aligned with what's good for patients in the community and whatnot. And I think we we can be a for-profit company and we can plow those profits back into, into making better product and, and growing more and having more impact, right? And that in fact is 
what we're doing and creating tons of value for everybody and behave in a much more aligned and ethical way than any number of nonprofits. And Farzad, I think that hits the nail on the head with exactly how it is that companies can convert to the PBC form. And so stepping back on some of the questions that Brian posed, if you decide to convert as a Delaware corporation, it's a serious decision. Your board has to sit down and decide to do it and recommend it and approve it. And your stockholders have to approve it. And it's, it's a meaningful thing. But to your point, I think that the companies that are really the best, most obvious candidates to become a PBC are the ones where their mission is just woven into their business. And the two things are, are deeply wedded together. And so it's easier in that circumstance to say, of course, this is in our stockholders' interest to convert because it's really for the good of our business that we operate the way Farzad just described. And if you operate well and, and you do good and you do well, then it generates value for everyone and you're doing the right thing for everyone. And I think that that's, that's the best candidate for a PBC conversion. Yeah, I think, you know, in healthcare, we, we are seeing so much burnout and what, or what some call moral injury. And, and that moral injury comes about when what's good for my employer is in conflict with what I think is, is, is good for the patient. And you, again, you can be any number of companies in healthcare where you feel like the duty I owe my employer is to do this thing, but I don't think that's the best thing for the patient. And what we have done is we've baked that into the architecture of decision-making at Allidate, where you can be assured that what, what you're doing for the patient, what you're doing for the practice, what you're doing for society are, are all the things that we can, will continue for years and hopefully decades to come. As far as anything you want to add? You know, I generally in, in podcast interviews, but also in life, I think that we, it's good to think about the question you least want to get and then ask that question. <laughs> and the question that sometimes I would least want to get is if I'm talking to a practice or I'm talking to a medical association or to a policymaker, and I'm saying, listen, I'm not just saying this because it's what is going to be good for Allidade. I'm saying this because I really do believe that what's good for Allidate is aligned with what's good for doctors and practices and society and patients. And they say, yeah, but Farzad, come on. At the end of the day, you have only one job. And that one job is to increase the value of your share price for your stockholders. And before today, I didn't have an answer to that. I could say, yeah, but we've built the company in such a way that, right? But at the end of the day, if they say you only have one job, right, to be a fiduciary to your stockholders, that was true. As a board member of Allied that was my one job. And now I can proudly say I don't just have one job. I also have to, based on our corporate structure, Allied a public benefit corporation, I also have to consider what's good for our customers, what's good for society, what's good for patients, and what's good for our mission to improve healthcare in America. All right, Allidade CEO, Dr. Farzad Mostashari and Amy Simmerman, partner in the Delaware office at Wilson, Sonsini, Goodrich, and Rosati. Thank you so much for joining us and talking about Allidade's transition to a public benefit corporation. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, James. Thank you. This episode was produced by Leanne Horst, Alana Coogan, and Stuart Taylor. 
You can find more episodes of the ACO Show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and join us next time.